Thank you, Matthew and worship team. So great to be inspired by your talents and leading us in worship. Thank you. Hey, I'm going to uh, upset you here a little bit. I want everybody to stand up again and share and look at each other and greet one another. We haven't done this in like two years. Let's try it. All right, stand up. You don't have to touch each other. You could do fit. You could do fist pump, elbow bump, learn a name. Learn. That's right. Cross the aisle. Learn a name. Hey, buddy, we missed you on Sunday or Thursday. Tell them we mi- we missed you too. I was in Vegas. Okay. Oh. <laughs> All right, I hope you learned some new names. You know, we've had some crazy weather these last couple weeks, right? I mean, it has been warm. There's a hurricane off of Baja, and I feel bad if your name is Kay, I'm sorry. But man, that, and there's like a heat dome over us, and finally it broke. We had some rain, it was wonderful. Wonderful, have that. You know, maybe you received this during the heat wave and the hurricane rain, and I got some public addresses, right, on our phone. We get a public address now on our phone. There could be a power outage. Okay, all right, I got it right there on my phone. Could be about. There might be a flash flood. Okay, all right, I got it all right here, right on my phone. Driving to work, might happen. Public address. You know, God has a public address system, and we gather around that public address system every Sunday. It's God's Word. And we're reminded that God's Word became flesh and lived among us, Jesus Christ, incarnate God. Dietrich Bonhoeffer says that when the people of God gather together, as we are gathered right here, right now, in worship, and as we listen to Scripture... God's word to us, the body of Christ is present. We are the body of Christ, and Christ is present among us, walking among us, sitting next to us, through the Spirit, speaking to us words of comfort and calm. We want to hear what God has to say. We want to hear God's voice above all other voices, and we often pray that. We ask God, speak to us, calm or quiet all of those voices that we have in our hearts and our minds, and we want to hear your voice above all others. And we hear that through God's word, through scripture. You know, when Jesus was teaching his disciples, he said to them, he goes, you know, all scriptures bear witness to me. Now, here's what's interesting. When Jesus refers to all scriptures, he's referring to the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament. You know, when Jesus was a young lad, he had to memorize psalms. Like all young Jewish children, they memorized the psalms in Hebrew. When Jesus got up in the synagogue and he was handed a scroll, he read out of Isaiah, and it was in Hebrew. So in a sense, you could say, when God speaks to his people, God speaks Hebrew. When when God's people heard the stories, the stories of creation, the stories of the call of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the stories of when Moses sees this phenomenon in front of him in the burning bush, he hears God's voice in Hebrew. 
Now, here's a fun fact. Biblical Hebrew has 8,000 words. Now, you might say, wow, that's a lot. Well, it really isn't. Some say that Hebrew, the biblical Hebrew is word poor because in English we have over 400,000 words to express reality, express what's going on in our lives and to convey emotions and feelings. 8,000 is what we have in biblical Hebrew. And so some suggest, well, the biblical Hebrew is, is like the words are like an su- overpacked suitcase and each word is just stuffed. And then when you open it up, you see all this dimension and texture and life when you unpack the word. So unpacking the Hebrew word provides this depth of meaning and understanding of what God is speaking and the depths of God's love for us. So that's what we're going to do this fall. We're going to unpack 10 key Hebrew words together. Are you ready? Are you excited? I'm not going to give a Hebrew class. Don't worry about that. But we're going to focus in on one Hebrew word each Sunday and unpack that Hebrew word and help us understand the dimensions of who God is and God's love for us and how God's people heard the word. Words like hope, wait, forgiveness, justice, fear, worship, heart, and soul. This morning, we're going to start with a, a word or a, what our English translates, to be. It's the word that Moses her, hears from the burning bush, that strange phenomenon in the wilderness. And I'm going to read to you now out of Exodus chapter 3, that moment when Moses hears God's voice. Exodus chapter 3, here we go. Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led his flock beyond the wilderness and came to Mount Oreb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of a bush. He looked, and the bush was blazing. It was not consumed. Then Moses said, I must turn aside and look at this great sight and see why the bush is not burned up. When the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, he called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, come no closer. Remove your sandals from your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, further, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have observed the misery of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their cry on account of their taskmasters. Indeed, I know their sufferings. And I have come down to deliver them from the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and spacious land to a land flowing with milk and honey, to a country of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Man, this is where I want, I just want to say aerobic tights. But I I did it. I'm sorry. The cry of the Israelites have come to, to me. I have also seen the Egyptians oppress them. 
Now go, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? He said, I will be with you. And this shall be a sign for you that it is I who sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. But Moses said to God, if I come to the Israelites and I say to them, the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. He said further, thus you shall say to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I am. That's the to be. That's the Hebrew word. Moses has a backstory, doesn't We know of Moses' story. He's that Hebrew child that they hid for three months because at that time Pharaoh was trying to keep the population of the Israelites down and he was doing some dastardly things. He was a rascal and so they hid Moses. And then eventually Moses, they put him in a basket, right? And they let him down the river. His sister's watching the whole time. Pharaoh's daughter finds Moses and brings and adopts Moses into Pharaoh's household. As he grows, he becomes Pharaoh's number one guy, right? Powerful leader. And Moses as he's surveying the land, one day comes across an injustice. He sees one of the Hebrew uh, people being beaten, mistreated by an Egyptian. And so Moses, out of anger, takes matters in his own hands, and he kills this Egyptian. So he thinks it's all, nobody sees it. He thinks it's, no one has seen what I've done. He tries, buries the body, but others have seen it. And word gets back to Pharaoh. And now Moses' true identity comes out. They find out he's a Hebrew. And so he runs. He runs to the hills, the land of Midian, and he starts over. He marries. He starts a new career. He works for his father, tending sheep. It's quiet, it's safe. It's a new life, and yet I would say it is unsettled, unsettled. As he may wonder, as the people of God wonder at this moment, is God with us or not? Is God with us or not? Yes, I'm safe and I'm in this land, but my, my people are still suffering, and God's people are crying out to God, and the question on their hearts and maybe the question that we bump up against in our hearts at times, God, are you with us or not? So one day Moses takes his work up into the wilderness. He's tending sheep. While tending the sheep, God gets his attention through this amazing anomaly, this phenomenon. Moses stops to look and he hears his voice. He says, here I am. God says, show some respect. Take your sandals off and sit and listen to me. Then it's interesting. 
God bears his pain. God bears how he is suffering. He hears the cries of his people. I can't help but think about parents when one of our children suffers, whatever it is, when they're small or as they get older, we suffer too, don't we? We have this image of God who is bearing, uh, the divine God who's bearing pain. God's heart suffers. The God of creation, the God of Isaac, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, who is speaking to Moses through this burning bush, has entered into the suffering of his people. And he's made their suffering his own. God is not indifferent to his people. He hears their cries. And so he decides he's going to respond and he's going to deliver. He has a plan. And the plan is Moses. The compassion of God has heard their cries. Moses is to go back to Pharaoh and he's going to tell them, let my people go. And they're going to travel to a land that has all the necessary resources they need to survive and to be God's people and to worship God alone. So Moses responds with, great, great idea. Thanks, God. I'm ready to go. Let's do it. No. He says, and this is my translation, you got to be kidding me. This is dangerous. This is scary. And I'm not equipped. Moses continues to resist, and in his mind, he has these ironclad excuses. He cites his lack of skills, his qualifications. Who am I? Implying, God, don't you remember that I'm a wanted man in Egypt? It's like I'm walking right into the police station and giving up. They know who I am. There's a bounty on my head. As the conversation continues Moses pushes for more evidence than this burning bush, doesn't he? He goes, oh, what about a sign? Can you give me a sign, God? Listen to the sign. You, you help me out. If you think this is a, what kind of sign this is. He says, all right, Moses, this is your sign. When you've finished the whole task, when everybody is now worshiping together on this hill, on this mountain, that will be your sign. I have a friend who is in sales, and he says this is the assumptive close. Assumptive close, like, hey, you've got this. I know you do. Moses is still unconvinced, doesn't he? He tries another idea. Okay, God, let's say I follow your plan. Let's say I go down there. Well, I know they're going to ask who sent me. They're going to want to know who this God is and what is his name. Some argue that this is a power play on Moses' behalf. A way to manipulate God. If he knows, you see, Moses, he's not, uh, he didn't just fall off the turnip truck the other day. I mean, he knows, he, he knows power. He was number one in Pharaoh's land, right? So it's a way to manipulate, get the upper hand on God. But God won't have any of it. Don't try to box me in. I am who I am. It's the divine name built on the to be, the verb to be. God says, I am who I am. 
Now, we're not alone when we hear that and we wonder, what, what does that really mean? It's puzzling, isn't it? It's mysterious. There's been a great deal of ink spilled over this. People arguing what exactly and, and how it's translated might be different in your Bible and, and other translations. Some are, I am who I am. Others use, I will cause what to be to be. Or I will be who I am, and I am who I will be. I like this last one. I am who I will be. And at least in Moses' context, when he's calling Moses to go down and help deliver his people, the claim is here that it's not just God is or God is real or God is present, but it's really God is faithful. God is faithful and God is for them. We sang that together. He is for us. He is for us, and that's what Moses here, I am for you, Moses. The name that points to divine faithfulness. When Moses brings the message to the Israelites, the name of God is the God who can be counted on. It's the God who will be faithful. And moreover, God's faithfulness is something that they will come to realize as they step out and act in following. God's faithfulness is something that we experience when we follow, when we sign on to God's plan. Because as the Israelites will learn, God's deliverance is not just from something, but it is to something. God is delivering them to something. And from their taskmasters to a new land where they will worship God and God alone, they will be my people and I will be their God. And dear friends, that is true for us, isn't it? We are delivered. We are delivered in Christ from the old way of life which bound us, held us captive, in Christ, we're set free, set free to serve, set free to love. And yes, there are days, there are moments, and maybe weekly, we feel like Moses. We wonder when we bump up against uncertainties, fears, anxieties, things that don't seem to be working out, seem that, things that seem to be slipping from our hands, and we say, are you with us, God, or not? I don't know what it is for you. Maybe in your life, you experience those things. You wonder, God, are you with us or not? Are you with me? And so God provides the name, I am. I am the God who is for you. So this week, dear friends, in those moments of doubt, uncertainty, anxiety, Hear that name, I am. I am for you. I am the God who is for you, who hears your pain, who knows our suffering, and takes it upon himself all the way to the cross and bears our shame 
and rises again, conquering sin and death. I am for you. And he delivers us. Maybe it's deliverance from bitterness to contentment. Maybe it's deliverance from anger to peace. Maybe it's deliverance from anxiety to belonging, from sin to grace. We are delivered. We are set free to follow his call in our lives and in our church life. We are delivered into a life with God, a daily life with God, and to God's work in this world, standing up and standing in for those who are oppressed, showing compassion for the least and the lost, welcoming all people, as our mission statement says, welcoming all people to build an active relationship with Jesus Christ. That is what is in the name. I am for you. I am for you. Gracious God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your word as you speak to us. And God, as you speak to us, we respond with gratitude, with thankfulness. And in our response, we respond in tangible ways. We give. We give of our time and our talent and our financial resources. And so thank you, God, for providing for us so well. And as we respond in giving, we pray that you use these gifts that we share this day to continue to extend your kingdom, your light, your love, your grace in this world. And we trust you in faith and in hope and in love. And all God's people said, amen.